Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Welcome again. This is Sue Rose Minahan, founding host of Ta Cosmos, where you awaken the authentic self. And today is an eclipse day, a total intense in- eclipse day. It is May 15. And the eclipse, the lunar eclipse, there's always two, a set of two, and this is the second after two weeks, is in Scorpio. It's sitting right at the south node, a, a point of natural release. It's where we're comfortable. We've come into this pattern of life, and it's a matter of strengthening it. If there's a shadow, look at it and disperse. Now, that's easier said than done. It's an experience and a passionate sign. So we will continue this great conversation with the planet buzz. We are now ready for the planet buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, founder of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary and eclectic astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I love investigating mythology's language philosophizing esoteric fields of eternity, a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly poetry to stories and celebrate humanity's individuated co-creative life force experience. I'm Leslie Francis, author of the 2019 and 2020 Llewellyn Sunshine books, a practicing professional astrologer intuitive, a lecturer, and host of my own podcast, Coloring Outside the Box. My lifelong search to understand what it is to be human led me to develop my own approach to astrology called Purpose-Centered Astrology. I passionately seek to support people in their greatest act of creativity, living life, through consultations and webinars. Creator of Star Cards, I love talking and making people laugh. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, As below, so above. As above, so below. Always inspires me every time. Hi. (laughs) Hi, it's good to see you again. It is. And we're missing Leslie. She... Her health just seemed, well, she has a sinus involved situation, unable to attend last minute. And so in many ways, that inspires me perhaps to begin with a Sabian symbol for this eclipse. And I don't know if that's exactly where to begin. I will say that (laughs) because this eclipse is in the sense, isn't it almost happening 
because well, it's at worst. I mean, it's a few hours away, so we're definitely feeling the energy. I mean, I think we've been feeling it at least since Friday, right? I mean, I think eclipses tend to, you're, we're in eclipse season. So sort of from two weeks ago to today, we've been in eclipse land, but particularly with this total lunar eclipse that happens in a few hours, um, we're, you know, it really begins this evening um, here on the East Coast, but we're, you know, we're a few hours It's impacting out. us. Yes. <laughs> we're we're it's there. In- it is. It's very impactful. And I know, okay, since we're talking about dates and times, it starts at just the East Coast, 14 minutes. Well, it's almost just a couple of seconds before, at 14 minutes after midnight, which means that starts just after nine. Well, that's o'clock. when it's completely eclipsed. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The total exact eclipse, yes, will be at just after midnight, but it'll be. Just after nine o'clock, nine thirty-two is what I've got for when it starts to get covered here oh, in Georgia. Okay, and and on the solar fire it says nine thirteen fifty-eight seconds. I think it starts it, when it's absolute at its moment of of completion. So, in other words, if you're back east, you can definitely get out. Well, and start it'll, looking it's at not it. eclipsed till midnight, but it starts, the shadow yes. starts to come in around 930 tonight here on the East Coast or the Southern East Coast, Southeast. Because yes. um, it will be a little different longitude and latitude wise as well. So that might have been part of the calculation difference that you were seeing is I'm further south. If you're looking at DC, oh, I'm yes. further south. So it's the exact minutes will be different because the longitude and latitude are different. Yeah, and we might explain that's very true. Depending where you are above or below the equator, that's latitude, that the the, the angle that one sees or perceives this event is at different uh, yeah, levels or times. Perhaps we should, and I don't know if I explained that very well, I think I'll do go past that thought into where it is visible. And then we can go into the Sabian because we, how to begin this, but it is a total lunar eclipse. In fact, the total lunar eclipse in this particular cycle, they have a long, long extended cycle. That's a whole nother concept. Well, it's not a concept. It's an actual astronomical event. It's called Saros, S-O-R-A-S. S-A-R-O-S cycle, and it's it's 1,280 years, but it, it starts at the South Pole and goes to the North or the North Pole going to the South. But the point is, is that this, when it becomes total, is right during the middle of its whole, that long length of time. And we're in this period. It started in 1950, in April, its first total eclipse. And I think you were mentioning the last one was in 2003. Mm -hmm. But so in other words, this is a total eclipse. And where it's going to be visible is North and East Europe, Asia, Australia, North America, much of South America, the Pacific Although not where we are in Hawaii, really. Atlantic, Indian Ocean, the Arctic, and Antarctica. This seems like an awful lot. No, wait a minute. 
Oh, that's November 7th, 2022. Good grief, Sue. (laughs) I jumped onto this. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's largely just the U.S. um, And partly because of time of day, right? So here in Georgia, where it just starts around nine, the sun will have just barely set. So part of that, again, that's where the latitude becomes important is the sun is setting at different times of day, depending on your latitude, right? So that's part of the visit. It's the shadow piece, but also your latitude in terms of it has the sunset yet to be able to see it. So that's why you're not going to see it in parts of California longitude and latitude of the West Coast. You won't catch the beginning because Thank the sun you. won't have set yet. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. And I just so apologize for that perhaps misinformation because with Leslie gone, I suddenly scrambled and thought, oh, maybe I can find out more information, which does eventually get us back to the Sabian symbols because it it says that part of it is um, uh, um, adapting, (laughs) a lot of adaptation. We have had in the last 20 years, two other total lunar eclipses in Scorpio. One in, and interestingly, because this is, I didn't do enough research to see how common it is that 2004 and 2003. So the, the 18 months that the nodes were in the same signs, it landed as such that we got total lunar eclipses, both at the beginning and ends of that. So there was one at 14 degrees in 2004 and 24 degrees in 2003. Um, and so in Scorpio. In Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just looking at total lunar eclipses in Scorpio. Um, and so we did have one, one degree off of the one that's occurring tonight um, in 2003. So, yes, because this one's 25 and that's 24. Just to recap with our audience. Were those north nodes or south nodes? Was it Scorpio? Um, I'd have in to the... be. Well, and I'm trying to think if that's if it's every 18. If it's every yeah, I mean, if it was 20 years, years ago, it would be the same. Um, yes, because it would be nine years. That it would be the reverse. Yeah, yep. so it would have been south node also very yep. impactful. Well, and on a personal level, it certainly was impactful. It it uh, we. My husband and I, because we often bring that into account with this particular panel, is how does it affect us? But my husband and I suddenly became caretakers of my father and his mm. health. And it dramatically shifted where we lived. And I continued working, but it changed everything. So it was, a, a, a and for the better in the long run, but it was a decisive Yeah, shift. eclipses are powerful times of change and and it's in general regardless of sign or degree eclipses are are times where the veil gets thinner right the veil between the worlds gets thinner and more porous and we're in this sort of liminal space this liminal energy and particularly with the lunar eclipse we get the energy of both a new and full moon on the same day or the same, this is straddling two days, but relatively the same day. Yes. Um, because when the moon gets eclipsed, we get more of that sort of new moon, hidden energy, dark moon. It's not fully seen. 
And yet it's a full moon where everything is visible and coming to fruition and being let go. And so that's part of why lunar eclipses can feel so intense emotionally is because things are ending and beginning simultaneously. It and is we usually tricky. get a little like two weeks yeah. <laughs> integration period. Well, it's very true because the very nature of a full moon, which a lunar eclipse is, although it's when the that moon is very close to the node, which is the meeting point between the path of the moon and the sun, which is a whole other series for people that want to find out about that, about the lunar nodes. But it's so it's opposite. So it's this awareness also of what that sun is, where you get the everything removed. It is. Uh, let's go into the Sabian symbol for 26. It's always rounded off to the next. So it would be 26 Scorpio. And this is Dan Ruchar with his mandala book. Well, which is, mm-hmm, go ahead. Mark Edmund Jones was part of getting them channeled. And then Ruchar's it, he was. explains them further. But that's. Good point. Yeah, historically in 1925 with L.C. Wheeler, who is a quite an intuitive psychic, they went through quite a few different days of intently bringing this to uh, fruition. And then since then, you're right, other notable, uh, quite a few actually have have changed them, or not changed them, but elicit, elaborated. elaborated on them or unpacked because they can be cryptic. And so you have to unpack it um, because it's perspective. Yes. It's, you know, a single line as the case with this one, right? So Indian American Indians making camp after moving to a new territory. So it's, there's a crypticness to that. So Rudyard and others unpacked perhaps what that, because it's all symbolic what that symbolism is referencing Beautiful. that it not yes. to be taken literally that that's something that's happening. Exactly. All of this is, and it's very pertinent. I think the Sabians to what's happening now with Neptune in Pisces, the fact that we just had that conjunction with Jupiter, there is a real spiritual download as we might say, increasingly how we're perceiving life. So his keynote, from Dane Rudhar is the ability to adjust swiftly to a new situation by tuning into its requirements. And then it goes on to it. But I was, and I keep referring to the Sabian because here we have Leslie who's gone. And so as you and I, and you and I actually started Planet Buzz way back for about nine, 10, six, eight months before we, we became YouTube. I was just checking that. I was updating our oh, website. It was a good year. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we always chat well. It's like, oh, boy. And it's great to have the threesome. In fact, yeah. But it is efficient functioning in all life situations. So Dane Ruchar says, he who lives with nature moving on as new needs arise finds themselves intuitively at home everywhere. Yeah, so I think it's a bit of that, you know, adaptability, right? Is this the highest expression of Scorpio, right? Because Scorpio is all about change and transformation. And you can either experience that as traumatic and chaotic and disjointed and uncomfortable, or 
you can experience it as a release and a letting go of the things that have held you back from actualizing your greatest potential or, um, and in doing that, being able to lean into your own power in a new way. Right. And so that's it. part of the challenge with astrology is like we get, we can predict some things, but we can't predict how people are going to respond to the energy. No, Here's the energy. Here's this intense energy of change and transformation and letting go. And how are you going to respond to that? And that's what we each get to choose. And it can either be, we can either resist that change. And so it becomes really uncomfortable or we go with it, we run with it, and there's more opportunity that unfolds because we're catching the wave instead of trying to fight it. Yes. I will say, and I love this, but I will say, because it reminds me, because we're dealing with Scorpio, which is a fixed sign. You brought in the resistance, which then brings up that whole fixed cross of, of depending on how it is reacting to each of us. But it is emotional. And so when you were saying either or, I have to remind myself, too, that in some ways it can be inclusive because it's almost inevitable that one has to go through these deep emotional parts to realize, oh, I have a choice here. You know, when can't or one just feels invariably that they reach for that, as you were saying, it's not always uh, just to. It's the, well, it may not be a conscious choice, but there's still a choice. Yes, indeed. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, I mean, we we don't necessarily get to choose the events that usher in the the opportunity to make the choice, but how we respond to the event we may or may not have had control over is within our choice. And to realize, too, that's a good word, control, isn't it? Because... This is very part of the Scorpio experience. One wants life. And so one wants to avoid what the death process or what gives them no power without power. So one needs to reestablish what gives oneself power and to find control of it. But part of this is really speaking, and that's where we can look at the chart later, that it's that in all of this is saying the spiritual to make a co-partner with how maybe one's receiving messages from life itself, right? To gain power or, or control, yeah. to join partnership with it. Because he goes on to say one doesn't make demands on life, um, but it the message, because unfortunately in this nation, our history of the United States, you know, did overcome the Indian and um, to dominate. And so the message just to end on, he says, is exactly the word you use, adaptation to nature through peaceful adaptation for efficient functioning. Boy, let's see, what do we have? Oh, we have a few minutes here. Good. You know, energetically, too, well, there's a lot with the chart, but the Mayan astrology, here we're going in another direction with energy, but the Mayans have a fascinating horoscope with 22 nawals and, and numbers. And today is eh, it's like, it looks like an E, and it's one of their uh, 
Lord, the Lord bears. But it's a journey. And I'm thinking in some ways it really relates with that Sabian because it's saying it's physical and spiritual. And that, yeah, we want to travel in that journey, but it's also within. Well, and that's part of this energy, right? So we can't forget in a lunar eclipse what, right, it's a full moon. So we've got the sun in Taurus. That's sort of the most physical, most earthy of the earth signs is Taurus, right? It governs the natural world. So if we're looking at the physical and the spiritual, that is even that Taurus Scorpio axis, axes of the physical world and the transitional energy of Taurus that are of, of Scorpio, right? So even if we weren't dealing with an eclipse, just that polarity is the physical and the spiritual as archetype, right? Yes. The transitional energy, the non-tactile world and the tactile world. So where, for let's, we have a few minutes, maybe we should say where it is in, and then we can look at the uh, chart for the next half. In fact, sure. I'm trying to bring it up, which I so had forgotten for to me, do. This particular eclipse, the the moon south node are fall on my twelfth, um, and the eclipse is squaring my Mars. Oh, in Leo, so it has a lot to do about. Oh, here we go. Yeah, there we are. Uh, it, so if it's that's your action, but yeah. It, yeah, it's all about identity and action, but more in a twelfth house the collective and the spiritual, like how do you apply yourself in that collective? Yeah. So the moon falling in the 12th. So then the sun's in my sixth and then I have a ninth house Mars at 27 Leo. Right. So it's pretty tight square. Um, And um, yeah. So how the, what are the actions I'm being forced to act, right? Squares force us to take action. These 90 degree angles are unavoidable. And um, so being forced to take action in these last few days, really throughout next week, um, too. And and some say really depending, but particularly probably because it's a full, it's a total lunar eclipse. We're in this energy or you won't necessarily see the manifestation of what it brings in for six months till we get the flip, mm. till we get the new moon in Scorpio. Which maybe is a good thing or not. I know. Uh, Because for me, I was just trying to figure this out. It's in the second house. Scorpio actually rules my third house because it's the very last degree. But all of the action, the transit and everything happens in the second house of my stability and my possessions and my resources. And of course, it's looking over, but it's in Scorpio. So it's like, how are my resources being use how are other people's resources with mine i suppose it being well where is it being allocated or where yeah do you need to shift how it's being allocated part of that transitional energy um so what i am working on very intensely has been two processes one and i can make a quick announcement join us for norwac that's northwest astrology conference in seattle if you're in the area because we'll have a table there and we'll be glad to see you and we have bookmarks to give out and we're in the library too not library in the book in the uh 
bookstore. Uh, bookstore, right? But I am intensely changing our the website. I mean, it just as of yesterday is dramatically different, and and. Oh boy, I guess I've had lots of projects creating, like I want to make a t-shirt. And so those would all be products, products mm-hmm. to, to establish and, and my survival, you know, trying to work on that area. Yeah, it's going, it's so six months, it'll be interesting to log in and see. So this chart says our title is, whoops, yeah, we didn't want to do that. In fact, I'm going to just uh, stop sharing. Yeah. Okay, because I think, okay, thanks. We have, my goodness, yes, we're embracing the future and letting go of the past. It's like a whole message. It's when they say that, I don't know if we even know what the layers are, really. Well, and that has so much to do with the fact that the moon is conjunct to the south node, right? So the south node is, that's why it's so past focused in some ways, or what's coming up emotionally. The stuff that you're going to, you may be feeling is probably linked to things you thought you processed and were done with, and it may be showing back up. Oh, I know what I wanted to say before we go. It's also that this eclipse is moving to the center of Earth's shadow. It's the first one. Every cycle, as it begins and when it ends, and we're in this total eclipse time, is right through the center of Earth's shadow. And that relates very closely, I think, to what you're sharing here for me and my our audience, that it's releasing those shadow parts of ourselves, which is really when it gets to Scorpio, very involved and can be quite. Yeah. I mean, we get sort of multiple layers of past shadow stuff because it's Scorpio, which is shadow. It's an eclipse, (laughs) which is shadow and it's South node, which can be shadow. So it's just this repeated theme of things from our past, things that we've struggled to look at, honestly coming forward and, so that they can be processed and let go or moved through, right? Not yeah. to make us angry or hurt or upset, but that that like you can only deal with what you recognize, what you voice, give voice to, and then it can be released. And so it really is this opportunity. And I think, I mean, we'll get to that maybe a little bit in the second half, but that then gets repeated as a theme with Mercury. Being we will look at that. Thank you, Dr. Laura Tad. And this is Planet Buzz on May 15th with this intense lunar eclipse that we're in the process of soon experiencing. Thanks. We'll be right back. Keep up with us. Okay. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We're currently in the period of Taurus. By leaving a cycle based upon initiation, the energy of Taurus integrates spirit into a solid form of matter that is tangible and physical. It's an earth sign, concerned with self-sufficiency and the values to maintain the strength of a life form throughout its survival. Hi. 
It's Dr. Laura Tad, and I wanted to let you know about my course in personal mythology. Now offered as a self-paced online class, you can explore the stories you live by and those you have inherited from your ancestors, culture, and society. This course comes with eight 30-minute check-ins with me as you move through each of the modules. Enrollment is ongoing. For more information or to register, please go to my website, mythicsky.com. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Hey, this is Tara All, resident astrologer for Sage Goddess in Los Angeles, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we bring the planets and signs to life here on Earth. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Isn't it always amazing? Now, see, that is a spiritual happening, I'd say, because Tara, Tara was on our panel until circumstances made it that she left. So she was saying hi to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll bring that up with the lunar eclipse. And I just wanted to reflect on some of my notes because like we were bringing up how it affected us, mm-hmm. but I was listening to, I think astrology hub, which I don't often do. I think it was that to give credit, but it brought, reminded me just so clearly that first of all, Scorpio has everything to do with the why, like, why is this? So that's something to bring up. And the fact that the way I, and this is my interpretation really of what I was listening to. So give them credit, but But Mars is the co-ruler, the traditional ruler of Scorpio. So Mm -hmm. that's courage. Boy, there's a lot of courage that is required. And then, too, reminding that those people that have a lot of Capricorn with Pluto at this moment transiting for its uh, many years in Capricorn at the very late degrees, people with Capricorn have experienced all kinds of huge growth already. So then it's a matter of, you know, because for each person, it might be releasing an image role or it might be releasing who's their authority figure or just being more authentic, you know, going more to what their voice, kind of back to what you were saying, like, yes, the the voice. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, so if we're looking at Mars as co-ruler of Scorpio, it is very close to Neptune. It gets closer in these next couple of days. It's, it's in an applying conjunction to Neptune. And so if you are struggling to sort of figure out where are you, what are you supposed to be releasing? What is, where are you supposed to be going with this energy? You know, using that Piscean energy that Mars and Neptune are both in, that the answers may not come to you in a linear, logical rational way that to do some meditation, to do some 
journaling that's sort of more automatic writing to do some walking meditations that like the clarity of what you're letting go of or how to let go of something may have to come to you in a less linear fashion um, with that Mars energy being so intensely tied with the spiritual Pisces Neptune non-linear energy um, that those but that they're embodying right now. Very good. Here is that chart. And this is for the East Coast. At, and so much to look at. But of course, Saturn, the big authority, uh, is, is, is intention. It's part of this whole process, isn't it? It's really squaring. And then we have Mercury yeah, retrograde. The Saturn squaring this eclipse, for all of us, we're... Mars is a is my personal lived experience with yeah. Mars and Leo squaring it from the other side because Saturn's moving into opposition of my Mars. Yeah. And of course, I mean, it, so much is happening because right now Jupiter, our expansion, our voice is in Aries that wants to speak our identity. So we have to hear everybody else's identity as long as part of our own too. It's that whole mix of energy. Yeah, well, and what I was saying just before the break about Mercury being retrograde, right? That because, and it, because Mercury's retrograde and particularly because it went retrograde in Gemini, right? It's a lot of reviewing previous held ideas and thoughts, mm. right? It gets, Mercury retrograde is sort of always about reviewing things we thought or said, but sort of like we get this repeated theme of the past with the South Node and Eclipse and Scorpio, we get that repeated theme of ideas, previous held ideas or previously communicated concepts with Mercury going retrograde in Gemini because Gemini governing our personal thoughts and ideas. Right. And then having it finally go back into the late degrees of Taurus, which is mm -hmm. form, ideally we'll be able to make form of those ideas. Because and almost to the degree of this eclipse, mm -hmm. it goes direct. Yes, 26. at 26. Exactly. That's very true. Which, exactly, which will be right across my Mars. Yeah, my Mars is 27 Taurus. So this eclipse is really also, con well, opposite my Mars. So my Mars is also activated. This is interesting. As you were talking, it suddenly dawned on me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, all this action that we're doing and for retrogrades just to ex remind people it's a three-time experience leading up it crosses that those degrees however it and then it returns back across and then it we get a third time to I sort direct. of think about it when I, I explain the third pass you know the after the retrograde, I think about it sort of like sweeping. Oh, yes, I love it. <laughs> right? You're sweeping up the last little bit. It's making up the degrees that it lost. Love, good. That's right. Um, but it just went retrograde, you know, in the last few days. So we're in the early days of this current Mercury retrograde. Um, and right just on Monday, it it went retrograde. Last, so about a week into the three weeks 
right? It's about three weeks, retrograde for three weeks, roughly every three months. So we're about a third into the retrograde. Yeah, it'll be Kazemi right at the sun on about the 21st of this month in another week or so, which is a whole event of maybe some clarity in, in all of everything, we hope. There's so many dynamics. I think that's what's so powerful to remember because Scorpio in itself is always powerful, always has to do with power and no power, like I say, with what is giving us, what is feeding us, what are we hungry for, for new empowerment, and what is no longer needed needs to be shed just from the process of its energy, of its, the nature of Scorpio, because mm-hmm. we have, as we were saying, Jupiter there in the second house in Aries, close right at the beginning still in the first degree is is wanting to speak its voice and needing to and have an identity or just explore and uh, yeah well and take be proactive right i mean aries is associated with mars so it is that action oriented energy and jupiter does things on a grand scale right so proactive energy feeling and the dance is to not rush, right? That's always the shadow side of Aries is that rushing Mm. energy, always feeling like you're behind. Thank you. (laughs) I feel better already. (laughs) (laughs) I've been really coping with that. I have time. I have, you know, because you need to, we do program ourselves. That's like hypnosis. We really do. So it's all a matter of understanding that core. And that's the beauty really of this eclipse is if we can get down to what we're telling ourselves, our stories, our pictures, like you say, we can say, oh, I'm going to edit that frame. Let's shift it over (laughs) because Mars right here is still in Pisces of no boundaries and the veil, speaking of the veil, the the unknown uh, spiritual essences with Neptune of total no boundaries. Mm-hmm. So we could get pretty well flooded or inspired. Yeah. Many ways. Yeah. And they- I think, you know, given that there was an eclipse so close to the one that's happening now in 2003 um, and then roughly right. Like, about it was the 15th of may 2003 because it would have to be to be so close in the degree it would have oh, yes. to be just about this one day the same day or a day off um what, for everybody listening like thinking back okay what was happening for you in may 2003 right and it's like well for me i'd started and dropped out of grad school <laughs> right around that time before I, I ended up going back. But I had started a program that I then realized was out of alignment with my values, right? Very much Dorian energy and left the program. And so there may be a piece for myself coming up in this, because again, we'll sort of be in this eclipsed energy or it's not just, oh, if you can't see it or you aren't paying, you don't hear this till next week, you've lost the opportunity to benefit from it. We're in this energy for a while. You don't need to see the eclipse to be impacted by it. You don't need to be where the shadow is to be impacted by it. 
um, that there may be similar flavorings from what was happening in 2003 to what is coming up now. Right. And so that's been part of what I've experienced and maybe part of it being square my Mars is where am I putting my energy? How is my energy in alignment or misalignment with my past and my future? If we're looking at South node going to the North node of, so how, what do I have to adjust? What am I not looking at? Which eclipses tend to illuminate, um, to adjust so that I course correct. Right. That's very perfectly expressed. And adding for this particular one, remembering that Saturn of our structures is really also to be uh, recognized in our own lives. Like what Mm -hmm. structure wants to be renewed because it is in Aquarius, which is breaking the pattern or the rhythm, but still finding a a structure. But at first it might not know what you want. That's so familiar with Aquarius. Right. And you just Saturn know what you wouldn't don't want. have been there in 2003. So that, No, that but I'm talking changing. about, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So in some ways, like that's a very well brought up about 2003 because it's always the next echelon, you know, in for our own personal, that's how life is. You know, we, we grow. That's the idea. And of course, I, I mean, I see it as about that, the peeling of the onion, right? That, Fritz Perls talked a lot about in Gestalt psychology of like, there's always this sort of peeling of the onion. You unpack one layer of your unconscious and there's some, there's always more to be revealed. And so that there's similar tonality to this eclipse from the one from 2003, but you're not who you were 20 years ago. No. So you're not, you will experience (laughs) it differently. So true. And looking at this chart, because it is the East Coast, and we do that deliberately because that's where the capital is, and it signifies perhaps the nation because we're talking collectively. And of course, otherwise, we'd look at the one from London, which is for the world. But for, for the sake in this case of the United States, with Pluto, the transformation right in the first house, everything we're as a nation undergoing a great deal of personal reevaluation process. I don't know if a reevaluation is really the right word, but eventually it does get there because we're, we're transforming so many ideas about ourself in relationship to the world and to our health and to many aspects, you know, with Saturn too, right there in you're reforming our structures. It's a, uh, and for and this eclipse is actually right in and the 10th who's house. in power who right yes. who's in control who's calling the shots any idea <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to be <laughs> oh i laugh it's like oh my goodness i we do have the the mini series usa pluto return and power that's coordinated on top cosmos with the exact Pluto returns for the natal chart that the United States has, according to the Sibley chart, which is currently considered on July 4th at 5.10 p.m. 1776, meaning, and that is a real question, 
about the power, like who has the power? And of course, it could be said in this day and age that corporations, but if we look at this chart of 10th house, perhaps that's really the idea is to release that concept and gain more the fourth house where it's our foundation of who we are. So that's really transforming like with the first house of ourself into what our stories are. What are our stories that we need to change? Kind of goes back to the Sabian symbols, I'd say, where it's saying as a culture, we need to learn more of the cultures. We need to adapt and work with nature instead of controlling it, but adapt with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and maybe, you know, fourth house has so much to do with where we come from, right? It's why it governs ancestry. Mm-hmm. It's our past. It's our most, it's our family, right? The fourth house is often thought of as home and family. And typically it's more family of origin, not the families we create as adults, right? Those, all those characters live elsewhere in the chart. Yes. Um, but the fourth house being where we come from. And so from a more mundane or collective perspective for the U.S., then it's the origin of the country, the the history of the country. What were the original intentions and having to end where have we outgrown those and where have we forgotten the intention and maybe need to return, right? And But it's both. There's things that no longer fit because it's two centuries later two and a half Mm -hmm. centuries later. Consciousness has changed. And there's things that maybe we need to remember, right? Or even that isn't about the founding of the country. That is, if we're looking, if we got more literal with the Sabian symbols in terms of the First Nation peoples. And that some of them, sometimes tribes moved camp prior to European invasion because They were following the herds. They moved their camp because the elk were in a different place because of the time of year. And it was more efficient for them to move camp 25 miles to the east than to travel further as hunters to where the food source was. Yes, I right? love this. It wasn't this always in response to, oh, the white man kept initially moving camp wasn't in response to other tribes or European invaders and being pushed onto reservations. It really was part of the cycle of life. And giving great thanks and appreciation, recognizing that whole dialogue. What you're saying reminds me of practicing what we preach, or not not just practicing what we preach, but um, I know um, what is it when uh, one has intentions and then the practicality comes Mm -hmm. with it. Uh, There's an adage that I just can't quite remember. But the point is, is that there's, uh, okay, if I, I'm lost with that, I'm sorry, but I think I've conveyed the idea, picking up what you're saying, because the other is with, if we were to look at nature just on one little basis, if we have floods 
I am not living in a flood zone. I have great compassion for those people that are or hurricanes. But I'm wondering, we need to do something dramatically different to help people avoid these. That's just one idea here that comes into practicality, like maybe have dome houses that people have in in hurricanes or else move their house from a flood zone and give people I mean, is this too radical to suggest where they can live someplace else where that infrastructure? I think that part of the problem has been how we have related to nature. The reason that there's more forest fires, the reason there's, right, it is tied to climate change. So if we just say like, oh, I've polluted this river, I'm going to move. And now I'm going to pollute the next. No, I know you're not, but that's, (laughs) we have to be careful with this idea of, oh, humans should just move to where they're not going to be negatively impacted by the natural world, as opposed to live differently so they're not negatively impacting but the natural ha- world. Yes, good point. But I was not, okay, because I'm only thinking of the floods, for instance. There's so many horrible floods with the, or, or tsunami, not tsunamis, that's what we have here, which we don't have. But in other words, um, water, water, hurricanes, things of that sort, where... I think that, we, that there's things everywhere, though. So you sort of have to, like, pick pick your poison, for lack of a better word, <laughs> right? I used to live in the Bay Area, so fires and earthquakes. I now live in an area where we have tornado warnings once a month, right? If I was further <laughs> south, there'd be hurricanes, you sort of have to, you know, you're in Hawaii, you deal with volcanic, volcanic eruptions and tidal waves, tsunamis, tsunamis right? So <laughs> no tsunamis. Yeah, thank you. You have to, there's really everywhere there's going to be something. That's true. You just, you know, it's, if you're in the Northeast, then you deal thank with you. snowstorms. We have that. Did we want to look at that chart again or shall we put it away? Okay, there we go. Uh, So trying to understand this, there's, there's so much also when I think of our compassion with, well, with Ceres and also with Chiron there of our identity of of wounds of identity of of how we're going to move towards the next uh, process of somehow finding the because all of this is in the lower half of the horoscope in other words for the United States this is very personal it's not mm-hmm. it, this work is really in tune with what it is and we only have a few minutes left and so we can kind of wrap up some of these thoughts, but I will present that, that it is really saying that we're on a, on a spectrum of insightful um, work with us and connecting with others. Yes. Wouldn't you say just finding out, like if we're going to find about the power, how it relates with others, I would say. Yeah, but I do think you're right that, you know, given that for the U.S. as a government, right, because it's going to play out a little differently depending on where you are in the country, but given that this is cast for D.C. and the whole lower half of the chart, except for the moon, the the south node, um, 
being about the South. I mean, the South, the Southern part or the lower part of the chart is always personally natal charts, inner work. It's an inner life. So there's a lot of inner process. So yes, this relating to others, but it's our part in that. It's not about them because that to me would be more the top of the chart. I think that if it's about others, it's about our influence or impact or what we're doing or not doing and its impact on others versus how we're responding to what others do. I th- you, oh, thank you. And you know what? To tie this up, thank you so much, Laura. I'm just looking again at our friendly Mars sitting there, and it is in a trying supportive role with this moon because Mars is with Neptune. It is in Pisces. And I'm remembering if we have a six-month lead here, we're in this transformational process. So rather than looking for a quick remote button to just instantly happen, to have some faith along with Neptune, you know, Pisces, that this process is going to lead us towards, it may be messy, it may be a bit chaotic, but we're in this, we're in a, uh, reframing things. And as you had said back, if we look back 2003, realizing we're getting new structures, we're, we're going to have to kind of keep tuned to find out. Yeah, well, and I think too that, that again, to just reiterate, because there's that trine and because it's a trine with Pisces, right, that it is that the answers are going to come from other dimensions, from yeah. other states of consciousness, right? So you can even do dream work where you ask for an answer before you go to sleep and say, like, I don't know what to do about my boss. And have that be part of what you're thinking about, not too much because it might keep you up, but a little bit of sort of like, okay, I'm wanting an answer about how to deal with this colleague at work. And having that be your thought as you go to sleep and seeing what shows up in the dream time that may be related to what you need to let go of so you can transform. Beautiful. Oh, boy, that's like a pro. In fact, I had so many dreams. And I realized as I was waking up, I'd get a new thought. And boy, I'd be off in a new dream. And I think that is the liminal, um, um, the, the, uh, the whole experience, as you were saying, we're getting closer to the veil. People are. Oh, and David, we can let go of those slides. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. And we have about a minute here. It is really getting like new leads and new ways that we can kind of be guided as we go forward. Beautiful thought. I like that so much. Thank you, Laura, Dr. Yeah, it's great to see you again. It is. And folks, Dr. Tad has those great course ongoing. Listen next time. It's always there. Come to Norwalk. And we're so grateful for you. Thank you. Okay. See you next week.
Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 